Hey, American Express card members, you don't want to miss this. Now through December 31st, there's a big reason for you to shop small at local stores in your neighborhood. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. That's AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. Terms apply. Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by 57th and 9th, Sting's first rock pop album in over a decade. Stop, I'm back in! The album features the new single, I Can't Stop Thinking About You, which Rolling Stone describes as a pummel of raw electric guitars, rapid fire snare rolls, and simple vocal hooks. 57th and 9th is available November 11th. Visit Amazon.com to pre-order your copy now. Need supports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, my friend, Andy Greenwald. It's low key today. Yeah, I took, took a little off that pitch. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. You know, I feel like you guys, uh, it was hard. We're, we're both kind of in a shaken up place. I would imagine that a lot of our listeners might be in a little bit of a shaken up place. Um, this is not the political podcast. We have one of those. It's a good one. I don't know if I can bring myself to listen to it for a while, but I love those guys. Um, I just feel like, and Chris, you can tell me if you, you disagree, but we're friends. That's why we do a podcast. We haven't sat down in a room with each other since Monday. You're talking about Kevin Clark and Robert Mays' NFL show, right? That's the political, political one. Podcast, yeah. Um, we haven't sat down in a room together since Monday. No. Back when the world was different. Um, and my feeling is uh, just not doing a podcast, if you don't feel up to it, is not a good idea. We really appreciate having you guys, your listeners, our friends, our listeners, our, our, our almost our family at this point. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you're in a different headspace, we understand it, but we're kind of in a funny headspace. And uh, we're just going to rap about it. Yeah, I wouldn't mean funny, not ha-ha funny. I mean, I think it's funny. It's like we are compelled to – I mean, I think we wanted to do this and we wanted to talk about uh, how we're feeling and 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 how we're kind of grappling with this new reality that we're faced with. It shouldn't come as any surprise to anybody who's listened to the podcast that we're not – we're disappointed about Tuesday night. Um and there's there's a lot of questions right now about I think I mean Allison Herman wrote a piece this this morning on the ringer.com about the good place but it was also about kind of like things that might make you feel just nominally better and then I think that there's a really natural thing to say back to that statement you know it's like I don't want to feel better you know I I and, and that the palliative sort of opiate effects that sometimes popular culture can have on people Sometimes it's good to feel raw, and sometimes it's good to just hurt and not want a comedy or not want um, anything. Well, you know? I, I can meet you halfway on that. I so I'm on I'm on internet timeout. Well, I'm not, I don't even know and, where I feel like that. Oh, yeah. I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. So I use I statements as I was taught in my liberal arts college. <laughs> um, I, I'm on internet timeout. I'm okay. off, I'm off Twitter for two days. Um, I'm off Facebook. You look great. Thanks. I feel a little bit healthier because of it. Um, and the reason for that is a couple things. You know, I, I don't begrudge anyone's personal reaction to anything in their lives, personal, political, whatever. In general, you know, posting stuff on Twitter on a good day is, you know, not, it's it's to shout into the void. It's basically to be heard, right? It's to like, it's to not feel alone. It's to share something. Mm-hmm. It's to be part of a community. In its ideal way, I think it's to feel connected to people. It's to feel yeah. connected. And, um, or it's to promote your podcast, which I also <laughs> use it for, although I've, you know, I'm taking a break. <laughs> At this moment, 
I don't begrudge anyone's right to um, be angry, to vent. Certainly, I feel those things. To or to have the counter hot take, you know, to be to, to belittle, to make jokes. I just can't feel that right now, yeah. and I can't hear yeah. it. So I've, I, so I've stepped back. I feel like it's very important. Is this sound? Is this getting new agey? I feel like self care is kind of important. And to one thing that we've learned this week that I think is going to affect us as. Um, critics, as thinkers, as consumers of it, of popular whatever we're doing, um, nobody knows anything. Nobody's ever known anything. And the reason why we do all this stuff, whether it's like obsessively refresh, um, you know, talking points memo, if that's your poison or whatever, um, or listen to other people's podcasts or watch TV, is to hope that someone knows something, is to gain some knowledge, some, some way of, of putting off the uncertainty. And here's the big secret for our self-help podcast. The uncertainty's always there, man. That's what we're always afraid of. Yeah. And so so that's that that's kind of my headspace right now. Um, so while I am, t- to bring it back to what you were saying, while I am definitely pulling back, I don't want to be diverted. I don't want to be, I don't want some, someone to make sense of something from me. I'm it's, not even looking at the news. But on Tuesday night, did, I... Did you know Donald Trump got elected president? I thought we were going to say it. <laughs> I still don't, actually, on some deep human level yeah. I don't know that and I don't know what to do with that but I uh, I did fire up because I was not sleeping and I did I did fire up the Xanax prescription no I did fire <laughs> up the uh, oh yes but I did fire up the uh, the most recent episode of The Good Place it's mm-hmm. interesting that Allison wrote that um, we were going to talk about that show anyway yeah. I think because yeah. we've both been we watching were, it we were in a post-Atlanta limbo anyway before we were going to record this yeah and I mean, I, I want to talk about the show macro and micro. Which would you prefer? Because I, I, I have a bigger idea that I'd like to bring up with you about it in the context that we're talking about before we even get into what we like or dislike about the show. Um, I guess, you know, I, I, yeah, go, go macro. I think, so if, if you guys aren't watching it, let's do a quick back. Because mm-hmm. we talked about it once uh, when it started a couple months ago. So The Good Place is the new NBC sitcom from Mike Schur, who created, uh, co-created Parks and Recreation. Um, and it's pretty high concept. Um, it's basically about the afterlife. It's about Kristen Bell's character who enters, it's not called heaven, it's called The Good Place, but she enters there because they made a mistake. And can she become a better person when she's surrounded by ostensibly better people? It's, it's, it's about ethics. It's about how to behave as a human. It's about how to improve. It's it's uh, ser- heavily serialized. Um, Mike Schur has talked about how he's met with Damon Lindelof before making the show, basically to say, how can I take some of these big picture ideas that you were doing on Lost and make a comedy out of them if I can? It's very ambitious. And it's nice to see, say also it's been rewarded. The ratings have been pretty good for a network sitcom um, because America loves Ted Danson and frozen yogurt, I think, which is a recurring theme in the show. Uh, I really like the show. It's really grown on me in a lot of ways. And it was palliative. Uh, care on mm-hmm. Tuesday night, I would say. But one thing that's interesting about it is I was thinking about its relationship to Parks and Recreation, which I love. Where were we, did you stick with that show? Were you? I didn't know if you um, were. I, I watched a lot of it. I don't think I finished it. I loved it always and forever. Um, what's interesting about it is it already seems very dated. It already the good seems. Place or Parks and Rec? Parks and Recreation automatically almost seem. All of a sudden, it seems like. An Obama era show. I think it was actually specifically a first term Obama era show. It is a show. It is relentlessly positive and very uplifting. It is. It was not so much a comedy. It was a, a fantasy, mm-hmm. but in a very, very um, affirming way about 
the possibility of doing good local work, literally organizing your community to make the world a better place and limitless possibilities that come from that. And what I wanted to say about it in relationship to The Good Place is it strikes me that a show like that, like Parks and Recreation, that idea of like enacting change despite tough odds, all of a sudden I want that show desperately. I want to mainline that show. Whereas The Good Place almost seems like all of a sudden a third term Obama show yeah, because it has become so abstract in its concept of good and evil that it has removed itself from earth entirely and I wonder and and I'm going to secede the floor here because (laughs) I believe in because I believe in good government (laughs) I do I believe you have a right to be heard too (laughs) thanks Um, I, I hope I get a chance to talk to Mike about this at some point whether he suddenly because he's been very vocal the one thing that I have seen post-election is his thoughts, which I agree with. And I think then he said he was taking a, a Twitter timeout, too. D- does he does he almost want to do over and try something different for the new world that we're suddenly waking up in? Um, it's interesting to hear you thinking about it in those terms. I think that I completely agree with you that it is pop cultural ibuprofen. It's just like I can feel the headache getting just slightly better. That's I I'm absolutely certain, like, a statement of privilege for me to be even, like, in a place where an NBC sitcom could make me feel better for 22 minutes. Um, The thing I keep thinking about before the election and after the election, obviously in in much different ways, we were talking about... I was seeing a lot of stuff about, like, what can shampoo teach us about our time today? <laughs> shampoo is this Hal Ashby movie written by Robert Town and Warren Beatty that came out and it was set on the election eve of 1968. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. I mean, what can the candidate tell us? Like, all these movies. Sean wrote a really great thing on Monday about on The Ringer about Network and Trump and, and how Network sort of tells us a lot about Trump's celebrity. And I think a lot of those pieces and a lot of the ways we were thinking about those things were from a place of safety. Or from a place of feeling like we kind of had a grip on what was coming. And it turns out we have no grip on what not only what was coming Tuesday, but what might be happening to us for the next four to eight to the rest of our lives. You know, 48 years to the rest of our lives. And um, since the election, I've seen a lot of stuff about... Oh, it's going to be like time of the late '60s. Is music going to step up? Is music going to be good now? Voice of the that's always the most yeah. And I think that we'll see. You know, but what I'm kind of interested in, and what an election like this says to me, is that I wonder how many new things are going to rise out. I don't mean like new art forms, but the concept of this cyclical, like now we'll go back to the late '60s, now we'll go back to like Rage Against the Machine, now we'll go back to Bush era, um, Agitprop, like kind of you know, the refused will come back somehow and make us like feel like we need to. I don't. I don't really know. I think that. This is really complicated, and I'm not sure, especially with the television, like the cycles of the way people make television and make movies, and frankly, you know, sometimes make music. Everything is moving so fast right now, and things changed so drastically, so quickly, between in in 25 minutes from from a tweet about like the peso is falling to she lost Florida, like the world changed, and so. When you're talking about like, oh, this show seems post-Obama, but like a, in, a, in a post-Obama like best case scenario, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I almost, I, I'm just talking this out. I'm just, I'm just. Like, That's all we're all going to do. Yeah. I, I, what's your question? I, I, I don't know. I think that um, to engage with art at any time is a privilege. Yeah. And I think that we 
in addition to enormous amounts of privilege in general, we get to talk to each other and talk about art and television as part of our job. Um, I, I think that in limited conversations with people in this town where we live now, people who work in entertainment, I think people have had their heads spun around in a number of ways. You know, I think there really is a thought of we were making what I was writing, what we were producing was made for a different world. You know, it was made. And in the sense, I think everything is always that way, because in order to embark on any creative enterprise, you have to feel the the ground is solid beneath you. We live in a world, in a country, in which transparent can be a a critically adored and beloved show, and Donald Trump can be president. I I feel... You know, those are like different. Like that's that that speaks a lot to the plurality of of this country. You know. Yeah, and I do, and, it, and that is also why I do feel underneath all of the layers of upset and and fear. Just I just feel afraid about a lot of things. Um, I do still have optimism. You know, I do still believe uh, in the moral arc of the universe. I mean, not to get too heavy. I do. I think that we we all. You know, someone slipped under my windshield this morning a note that's saying we're going to get through this together. I think that small acts of empathy and our surprises and kindness matter and will get us through whatever is ailing us. I also, though, wonder, well, one thing I'd like, this may be opportunistic to even say it, because I would have argued for this on Monday, too. Maybe I wouldn't have been felt as strongly about it or been able to articulate it as specifically. But the small acts of empathy that have gotten me through the last two days is what I like in art also. And so to the degree that watching a comedy show can make you feel better because it's distracting, that has real value in a time when we all deserve to be entertained and yeah. we all should be able to f- feel that way for 22 minutes. But I think to see acts of kindness has value beyond entertainment. And, and, I, and I, I'm only mentioning Westworld not even in a critical way. I, look, I can't wait. Seriously, I cannot wait to watch this week's episode and talk to you about it because, again, that's a privilege. Yeah, right. But... I'm going to put this out there using Westworld as an example because we've been talking about it. It does feel a little bit chin-scratchy and privileged to make a show wondering about the potential empathy of <laughs> robots. Is, you, you, I'm wondering to pivot back to robots. No, no, but I'm asking you this. Yeah, I'm, I'm of legit course. asking you. Of course you, it does. It all seems stupid. It, oh, yeah. Okay. But wait, I'm trying to find the sweet spot between it all I feels know, stupid here, and it does. Can I, can I, and can I help you pedantic. get there? Can what I, I want to say is... What, what about a show that was radical about exposing empathy? Sure, I, I'm going to help you get there. Help me it's, because it's it's not just that. I so you watched the Good Place. We both watched the Good Place at various points over the last two days, just to kind of like have something on other than, uh, you know, the the void. You know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I made an interesting personal choice and watched Don't Breathe last night. What? <laughs> I just thought maybe a horror movie would be cool. Like, I don't know what was going on in my head. It was a real, like... I've never felt less the t- the, the sure The daylight of who you saving are. shift and the fact that I've kind of been awake for two days, it kind of screwed up. Like <laughs> So, I like, 6.30, I get a pizza, and I, um, I fire up Don't Breathe. Um, and... <laughs> So that was a bad choice. That was like a really bad choice. Do you know what this movie is about? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and it's about turkey basters, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's. I didn't know that. I like to kind of keep my information, like how much I know about a horror movie at a pretty you, limited. You, you don't listen to podcasts. Yeah, I have like a Rotten Tomato Mendoza line <laughs> that I, it needs to go over, and it's a pretty low yeah. Mendoza line. And then once it's over that, it gets a shot pretty much. 
And so I didn't know what this was about. And oh, it's basically man. like an, it, very much in the style of It Follows. It's a pretty good movie. I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more six weeks ago, um, which says way too much about me than it needs to. But Jane Levy, who was on, what was that show she was Suburgatory. on? Suburgatory. Suburgatory stars as a group of three um, house burglars. She's and, not all three. No. She is a part of a trio of house burglars who are working dilapidated houses or suburban houses in um a variety of houses in Detroit and it kind of looks a lot like it follows it in terms of like the photography and stuff and they basically like get hired to get hit a house in like a nowhere neighborhood that's basically been completely abandoned and apparently it's like an Iraq war veteran who has three million dollars or half a million dollars in his house and they have to go steal the money and they get in there and they find out that he's blind but it also like everything goes wrong and it turns into basically this like gut-wrenching somewhat torture porn person who, trapped who in a basement. Who plays the guy? Stephen Lang. Right. Um, anyway, bad choice a- by me. Avatar, Avatar Stephen Lang, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Bad, bad choice by me. Poor choice. Also was like, I, I, I was like, I'm, I don't have anything for this movie. I don't have the capacity to watch people like artfully be yes. uh, tortured. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't have that. And that was the first moment last night. And I, obviously a lot of other factors go into it. That was the first moment last night where I was like, I wonder how people's responses to certain kinds of pop culture are going to change. One thing that is not, one thing that is not often discussed um, by us or by anyone is that we enter into every entertainment experience, every viewing experience with our own little e-meter set differently, mm-hmm. right? We sometimes need one thing or sometimes we need another thing. And, you know, a good example of that is when um, I made you, but then also like the, the 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 necessities of our podcasting career made you watch a naughty episode of Mr. Robot after I had been responsible for getting you in Beyonce traffic for an hour. <laughs> you were not in a space to appreciate a naughty head fuck, right? Yes. Um, we, we've all been in those places. Some things work sometimes, some things work other times, but the personal relationship, the personal relationship with, with art, with television, which is what brings us back to it and what sustains us, changes, and, it, and it's not universal, mm-hmm. and so people's reactions are going to be different. You know, one, I, I think, I may have even said this on the show before, but, like, I will never see that movie. Yeah. I will never see that movie. You know that. Yeah. Regardless, you know, President Dalai Lama could have been elected and I would not be seeing this movie. <laughs> Um, it would be an odd choice if that was what your reaction to President Dalai Lama was. It would have been weird. Um, but I, I attended this event um, a couple months ago here. There was like it was a it was a panel talk basically of creative people. We're, it's, we're, it's panel talk season. We're talking it's up, and you know how I feel about panels. <laughs> and uh, the guy who wrote and directed that movie, yeah. his name is uh, I'm I'm forgetting uh, Fefe Alvarez or something. Yes, yeah. was one of the people speaking on it, mm-hmm. and I found him to be very inspiring. I found him to be very engaging, very smart, and the way he talked about making movies creating He's a great things. filmmaker i mean like he i like that that's the thing is that i ordinarily would have been like oh this these hitchcockian yeah. scenes of fit, like complete visual storytelling and the way he ratchets tension out of like these different camera moves and i just didn't did not have that in my locker no and so i it was interesting to me though to see that disparity like i'm never gonna see his movie but i boy did i respect the way he spoke about making it yeah which is kind of an interesting thing to think about and you know we're saying all this and as much as I don't want a lot of things that I'm getting at the moment in the world, I don't want a fully like reactionary, not in a political sense, but literally instantly reacting um, culture. Like I don't want a new Green Day album next week that's protest songs. You know what I mean? I don't. 
I don't want that. I want things to breathe for a second. I want people's like natural. I want to hear people's natural experiences. I want to hear people's natural responses. Um, it. I can understand why for some people, uh, if they've gone out, if they've gone out into the world <laughs> over the last few days, seeing groups of friends together laughing or seeing something relatively benign, like I got a press release today about something. My <laughs> highlight of Tuesday night. There were no highlights, <laughs> but the highlight of Tuesday night. Uh, wait, wait, let me finish that story. Just to say that, like, to see people laughing has actually made me feel better, yeah. as opposed to making me feel trite, um, that the world is trite. Can I share with you the one thing that I really enjoyed about Tuesday? Is this person who sent you this press release going to know that? I, I think it's okay, honestly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull this up <laughs> okay. in my email. But in the middle of feeling like the world was crumbling, uh, this was 7.18 p.m. out in the West on, Nove- on November 8th. I got an email, and the subject of the email is, Rick Ross releases official statement, quote, I am fully aware of my current dealings with the IRS. Oh, well, that's good. First of all, genius strategy. (laughs) If you have something, like, if this email had said, I am fully aware of my current dealings with murdering transients in parks across America, it would have gotten the same response. Right. Like, that was amazing to me. But a good reminder, and I'm going to do a big acrobatic flip right now. I'm watching you, man. A good reminder that when the we have no control over the big, we only have control over the small. Rick Ross is in trouble with the IRS, man. That sucks for the boss. <laughs> that was true Monday. That's true today. <laughs> similarly, yeah. Similarly, uh huh. Tied all together. We last talked in front of these microphones. You're in the night kitchen right now. You're mixing up the dough. We were. <laughs> isn't the night kitchen the one about like the milks and the batter? Like, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> that book is weird and dark. Um, <laughs> The uh, when we last talked in front of these microphones, we were talking about that episode of Bourdain Parts Unknown. Yeah, and all it's not and, lost on me. <laughs> and one of the things I was thinking about though, yeah, is those kids went to school again. They went to high school, like the kids we saw meeting with their principal and with Bourdain. They went to school yesterday. Uh-huh. They went to school today. They probably are afraid too or confused, and th- I hope that they. It seems like they have a community that will help them with those feelings, but. That still exists. On a granular level, the things that matter to us still exist. Um, how to balance engagement with those things with engagement with the, the big and unknowable is really tricky. But but one thing that I do think might help, and I'm, I'm trying, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to hold out, but for me, so much of Twitter right now is just people trying to patch, people trying to patch sucking chest wounds with Band-Aids. And I don't, that doesn't even mean the election necessarily, but people are just trying to make sense of things that are not sensible. Yeah. And it's a cheap high for me. And and I understand why people are doing it. I think also like, there's just like a general like whenever you have a situation like this where you feel like you put a lot of faith in institutions that ultimately right. didn't lead you astray. I mean, it's not it's not people's jobs to tell you like the certainties of the world. But I think that for people who work do what we do and for people a lot of people out there there's just like a lot of distraction and there's a lot of feeling Mm -hmm. of like i am informed i am engaged and i don't even mean like in the political process i mean you're talking about like helping people on a granular level showing and 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 doing these acts and, and giving these acts of empathy and i know where where my time goes and it's it's not that you know, yeah. and it needs to be. It really does. I I know that about myself, and I know like my time goes to curating Spotify playlists and to <laughs> there's, watching there's some value in sitcoms that. and watching 
and watching horror movies. And I don't know. I mean, you, you know, everybody's got to do do what's right for themselves. And that this is not a prescriptive podcast at all. I think we're trying to grapple with the idea of what does come. How does stuff? I, I'm interested in this idea of like. What does stuff that's coming out that was made in a different time, and mm-hmm. what is the stuff that is Still on the horizon that is being produced now, that is being produced in a kind of a different, obviously a different environment? Does that reflect it at all? Is there a way to to reflect it to accurately ref- reflect it? Because I think a lot of people are, it's there's there's not a universal it, like everybody's afraid, or a lot of people are afraid, and there are a lot of people who are feeling pretty triumphant. P- people don't. Here, here's an easy statement. People don't do well with um, lack of resolution in life or in in art. You know, things that end in the sort of middle place are very tough to pull off and very tough to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think about the ending of The Graduate like all the time. Like that's one. I mean, it, and, and Michael Clayton basically did The Graduate ending also. Those are both movies I really like, only one of which involves auto explosions in front of livestock, but you can't... And that you was can't. an incredible Hoffman moment you, you when the horse explodes. Yeah, you know, Catherine Ross's Wait, face. Wait, that's luck. I'm sorry. Uh, good point. <laughs> so there is a unified theory of pop culture after all. But, you know, I, I, I think that f- grappling with that can create better conversation. It can create better art. But it's... It's tough. It's a tougher place to just rest in, and nobody wants to rest there. I, I think about how I spent I, – I don't like to think about it, but I think about how I spent the last six months um, basically just constantly drugging myself with um, blog posts and tweets and, and podcasts, all of which were – So you know, what would could, the alternative Well, what been? I'm saying is all, all of that I could have written off at the time saying I'm engaged. I'm a civically yes, engaged yes, person. Yes. I'm anxious. I, yeah. I want to know. But really what they were was I wanted someone to tell me I'm okay. Like, I wanted to be reassured. I wanted to have a a grip on the world. None of those people were able to do that. And that, honestly, even if things had broken the way we wanted to, that still kind of would have been true, but you kind of maybe wouldn't have been had your nose rubbed in it as much. Um, People don't really know. We're all just trying. Uh, But prescriptive, I mean, I I don't know what we we do with that. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is... I do want to try to, to, to jump from us venting to finding a way to, to integrate this into our conversation. Um, I think about the conversation we had on Monday about the desire some people have, and this is a legit desire, I don't mean to belittle it, but to watch television to solve puzzles. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself suggests that there's something to be solved, um, which I think we're learning is Well, isn't I think it's that also easy. just that... that- when you're making mass-produced entertainment, and if we had if we had had a different, if if this week had gone differently, I would have liked to have spent some of this time talking a little bit about a movie that's opening tomorrow. It's our arrival, you know. Oh yeah, you saw that. I did, and um, it's a really beautiful, beautiful movie. It's a really like affirmative. It's a really like great film about communication and and um, contact, and it's also a great example of. Why they should keep making movies? Just keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. Which say, tell, give people the context. It's Denis Villeneuve's. It's his first film since Sicario. He's the director of Prisoners and Sicario. Sicario is a movie we liked a lot. Um, and it stars Amy Adams as a linguist who is asked by the U.S. military to help with the uh, communication aspects of dealing with uh, a s- several egg-shaped pods that have arrived. 
on Earth. Podcasts from, or yeah. So it's Marin. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, like basically spaceships arrive on Earth and they 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 can get into them and they can they they just I don't want to give too much away, but basically Amy Adams is tasked with making first contact. Uh, Jeremy Renner is also in it. And ordinarily, we would just be going insane about Renner right now. Would you, hypothetical, quick as an aside, if you were in charge of this mission, if you were, uh, you know, in the in the government, uh, would those be your top two people? Would Renner you, and Amy Adams? Would you Adams? put Adams and Renner on the front lines of inter- interstellar communication? I would probably task... Um, I would task Adam Scott character from Eastbound and Down. <laughs> or the PG version of it from The Good from Place. Good Place, yeah. Just to see what would happen. No. Um, it's a great movie, but it feels like way more of... Okay, it's about aliens. Keep going. But it feels like even more of a fantasy now than it did last a couple weeks ago. It, it, the, not the fantasy part about the aliens. That's 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 already happened, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the some right, of the more right. under, some of the underlying themes are a little bit do, harder doing a podcast to with Tom DeLonge is the best decision I've ever made. <laughs> some of the underlying themes of the film are a little bit harder to identify with now. Now maybe some people will see it and say like now more than ever these ideas are important. But um, yeah, it's it's tough. I I don't know what the role of culture is going to be in this. It's a question of it's one that we don't like to pay attention to when we don't have to because it's really fun to joke about Jeremy Renner or you know see comedies or do the stuff that we normally talk about. But like, what do we look to this stuff for? Mm-hmm. And by stuff, in this case, honestly, I mean this. This is facile to sort of equate them. But if we've got a gap, whether it's like some whether it's neediness or boredom or whatever. When we look to fill it, and whether we look to fill it with uh, binge-watching something on Netflix or binge-watching political news or whatever we fill the hole with, like, what are we what are we looking to get out of those things? And is it more than just passing the time? I think it feels different for me now than it probably would feel for me in 25. Yeah. I, I think that's true. But explicate why that would be. Um... I think that I think when you're older, when you get a little older, like I think that you probably do look for some sort of um, balm. And when you're younger, you do look for some sort of. I also think it's like I'm a white man. Like it sucks. That, like, I mean, like I, I just don't think that I um, can fully appreciate what this means for a lot of people. You know, and what, I, I, I'm, I'm trying, be. and yeah. that's going to be like my project. Like I, I like that's definitely like a a top priority and concern is to understand that this is in a lot of ways not happening to me in the mm-hmm. way it's happening to everybody else or a lot of other people. But when it comes to how I relate to the, to the television and films and music I listen to, um, I think that I look, I'm, I'm, I'm almost looking for something that's like right in the middle, not too sunny and not too stormy. What, you know? Like I, I was listening a lot to the kills yesterday and I was like, this is just enough Edge mm-hmm. to make to match my mood, but not too confrontational and demanding that like I am thinking about Rudy Giuliani all day long. One thing, I, uh, thanks a lot. By the way, I think you just triggered me as a New Yorker. Um, I, one thing that's different, I think, between experiencing this now and experiencing uh, a similar dejection, although honestly very different, um, twelve years ago. Um, is I, I hope that being a little bit older allows us to take the longer view and that things are cyclical and that to feel 
um, to feel secure that you are being represented or your values are in some way being represented on a higher level, that is a gift and a privilege and not always guaranteed, you know, um, and that you can hopefully see to the next time when that might be the case. But I also think that, and I know the irony, it's a rich irony to be making this point on a responsive podcast, basically. But I do wonder about our ability to take the long view of things in the culture at the present. Not to be the guy who's used to walk uphill in the snow to school uphill both ways. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it, at 2 a.m. Uh, in the East Coast, the last the last wave of hot lava takes I saw flowing towards me before I X'd a twittering bird off of my phone was what this means, what this means now, what this is going to mean. Heads up, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, we can assume some things, but we don't know. And I, I, I hope that we can carry that, being okay with that, because we're going to have to, but being okay with that uncertainty maybe into the way we cover stuff, you know. It, it's, it's sort of, we're baked into a different cake at the moment where I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back to Westworld in a positive way. And I'm only using it not to that's rile okay. people up, but because that's the hour-long show we've been talking about. We have been discussing the chapters, not the book. An analogy I usually have trouble, I push back against the yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it is the nature of what we do to, to react quickly to a piece of something without being able to see the whole. Um, I, I hope that we can, I mean, I've always sort of wanted to hope this, but I hope that we can, we can try to be culturally a little bit more patient. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're going to have to be. And I again, I realize, like, I think you've made the point well. Like, we 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 have the privilege of just talking this out with each other in front of microphones. This is this is a, a much bigger. Yeah, this is. I mean, we're aware that this is like an incredibly self indulgent act. It's just uh, we didn't really know what else to talk about today. Um, Let's just take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to tell you a little bit about Sonos. Sonos is the smart speaker system that streams all your favorite music, radio, or podcasts to any room or every room. I am all in on Sonos and have three rooms with their speaker system in my house. One person can be in the kitchen listening to NBR. Another can listen to show tunes in their bedroom. That's, Who could that be? That's been known to All happen. while I'm immersed in classical music as I work from my home office, which is also the dining room. I'm not trying to make it sound like I have like a full Draper den. Who is the third person in your house in this scenario? <laughs> I told you you watched Don't breathe there's also a simple addition that makes all the difference they have a play pause button right on the speaker unlike other products that have tried to bring wireless sound into the real world you don't have to pull out your phone open the app sort through the menus just to pause what you're listening to you can just walk right up to the speaker and hit a button it's amazing their simple app brings together all your favorite music services radio or podcasts and lets you control everything from songs to volume to rooms you can you can play the same song in every room at once which is great for parties how can you have a party without sona seriously how you gotta have the beats you need Add your existing music services or discover something new. Go to Sonos.com right now. Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by Blurb. Have you ever wanted to create a book or maybe a magazine? Do you have some stories, maybe a journal, or a ton of fantastic old family photos that you always thought would make a nice book? Maybe you have friends or family that deserve a thoughtful present this holiday season. I know I do, and Blurb knows that you do too. Blurb is a digital book platform that allows you to create, publish, share, and sell your own professional quality books from your computer, tablet, or phone. Blurb has a variety of easy-to-use formats like photo books, trade books, magazines, and ebooks. And with free built-in layouts and templates, it's never been easy to design books on travel, food, architecture, really whatever you can think of. 
And if you're having an issue, Blurb has experts available to assist you at every step of the way. Print out one copy. Print out a lot. You can even sell your books on Amazon or the Apple iBooks store. Visit Blurb.com slash watch and enter code watch for 25% off your very own Blurb photo book. That's Blurb.com slash watch code watch at checkout for 25% off. It's the ultimate gift. It's one that keeps on giving Blurb. Make a book. Leave your mark. I'm interested in the terrible culture choice you made last night. I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering how you, what you think. Like trying to because it's like horror movies produce a visceral reaction, and they're very transportative. So if you are able to kind of give yourself over to the fun part of them, they're like rea- they're like a roller coaster. They're like a lot of things where you are basically it's like playtest. It's like you're just electrifying your nerve endings right. almost by engaging with a part of them. But frankly, like. The more and more I get older and the more and more I time I spend on a computer or looking at my phone, like the less I feel like uh, scared ever. I mean, I'm, you know, or 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 thrilled or 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 like I'm being dropped off a building it, or like it, my heart's it, racing. It's harder to get the highs. I completely. Yeah. You know, and, and it's telling that I would look to culture for that. I and mean, that's just like where I'm at in my life. I'm not like much of a thrill seeker anymore. But I think that. um it it was it wasn't the the actual like I don't like being scared right now that was throwing me off. It was the v- voyeurism and safe experience of violence yes. of uh, terror. You know, like of um, that these are that these assaults, are these are you know, real things, yeah, real emotions. Yeah, and you, you could just fire it up. On and a you Wednesday. know, it's, it's fucked. It's fucked up because like that stuff was happening two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, and that's that's. That's my bullshit to work out that I thought that, you know, it's safe, th- you know, three weeks ago and it's bad now is is, is like a complete fallacy. It's it's it, and that's something that I think that we'll all start to sort of see. I mean, we've gone through 10, 15 years of the antihero being the primary delivery system of like t- televised narratives in a lot yeah. of ways. And I don't know how much longer people are going to be like, yeah, this guy's an asshole. This is great. Maybe people are going to want to have people who are a little bit more real. You know what I mean? I think that we have confused antihero with like a real man or a real a real protagonist. And I, I wonder whether or not that is something that going forward we're going to be like, no, we have plenty of real life examples of people who are antiheroes. Yeah. You know, show me somebody who. Are you saying show me a hero? Oh, that's true. I am saying that. Well, I like that miniseries too. But I, I agree with you. I, I think that if you have. Do the, you think that Simon's like, God damn it. David Simon? Yeah, because he's making a movie about the 70s and like it's it, – he's making a show about the 70s and, you know, that that's a guy who I think would obviously – talking about wanting to fast respond to something. Well, the last time I was online, he was um, tweet-baiting anti-Semites and KKK members. So I feel like – I hope he took a – I hope he took a Twitter vacation too right. because I just – I can't imagine welcoming that into your life, let alone um, it existing. But but no, I, I, I think you're making a great point because I want – I do want – not David Simon, the polemicist, but David Simon, the artist. I kind of want him on the front lines of stuff. You know, um, The Wire. But this is made- what I'm talking about. That kind of like. We like all the traditional modes of communication, the traditional institutions of, of mass media, even all the voices that we already have were all screaming the same thing. Yes. And it didn't work. Yes. Right. It didn't make all a difference. The, all the gatekeepers were irrelevant. All the emperors right. have no clothes. Um. I think that's a good point. So, I, but I, but I was only going to finish by saying, I wonder if there is frustration in 
going back to work on uh, you know a deeply reported, deeply realized examination of Times Square in the 70s with James Franco as twins. Like, I'm into it. I'm psyched for the Maybe deuce. we're going back to the 70s Times Square. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting point. Um, I do think it would be an, it's an interesting playtest, if you will, um, if you have the luxury of seeking whatever you're seeking this week in in the arts, what clicks and what doesn't. Like, on, on the way here, I was just, uh, there's new songs by artists that I like just randomly this week, you know, and uh, the new Los Campesinos song. You remember that band? Oh, man. Los Campesinos, great, great, great Welsh band. Um, and they, 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 they rhyme something with Ferranti. The you know the mm. novelist in the song I enjoyed it but it didn't click I thought I was gonna I thought that's what I wanted I thought I wanted to hear some shouty emotional Britpop essentially but it kind of didn't it's kind of discordant good yeah, song yeah I've just been listening and, to this uh, there's a this is this is just I should really just put myself in a locker after this but uh, <laughs> there is a Noel Gallagher curated playlist on Ooh. Apple Music that is mostly it's called the uh, Noel Gallagher Indian Summer like playlist yeah. Um, and it's when you go to an off license and lie down in a park and hit shuffle. It's like his his, his description of it. Um, but it has. When's the last time you think he did that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like this. Nineteen ninety one. Yeah, I I, he and it, it's got a lot of like um, African psych rock and yeah. weird like beat driven psych psych rock from like England and Africa that I just was like. Like yeah, melt melt it all away. Like let's do it. I put on the new song by the XX this morning. Yeah, the yeah, um, and I was really. They have an incredible Spotify playlist. That's uh, that's like what they've been listening to in the studio. I was listening to that all day Monday. I was really moved by this new song because, you know, I don't know if you guys listen to the XX. Beautiful minimalist kind of post trip hop. I don't even know what you call it. It's not really dubstep. It's just it's very very intimate. Like bedroom tunes as they might say um but in the in the space between their second album which i didn't love and this new album the producer jamie xx made that beautiful album in color that we talked about in the mm-hmm. podcast last year and there's this moment in the song where it starts like an xx song and then there's something in the background that's bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and it's this beautiful Noel gallagher opening a can of fosters <laughs> his third can of fosters <laughs> it has the same effect because yeah. it's this it's this chopped up sample have you ever had a fosters in that big can yeah yeah it's a tough head to tough hang because it, it gets kind of warm, right? Unless you really go for it. It's it's the kind of thing where like you, you get halfway through it and then you um you you Joe Bluth it and you've made a terrible mistake. We uh, we used to because we when we first started out in high school it was forties and then one of my friends in high school went temporary blind from drinking <laughs> Seahides. At least he claimed to. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then we moved to Foster's for a while, and I was I was never a big fan. Well, you have bad memories associated with it. I I was just <laughs> going to say that when this sample comes up in this XX song, it's just like it was surprising and it was beautiful, and I was like, okay, all right. It's just small things. We're going to build this back piece by piece. And there was a moment today where I heard something that surprised me. It was beautiful. And there's a point to that, man. <sighs> There's a point to that. Yeah. I don't know if that's pedantic. I don't know if other people need to hear that or be reminded of it today. Maybe maybe you're seeking solace a different way. Maybe you're not seeking solace at all, which yeah, is fair no, enough. You, you definitely it, don't have to. But if you feel that you are and Foster's isn't doing it for you, <laughs> I, I thought that song was pretty good. I, I'm, I'm curious what people like is, is generally, and we can, we can start to, to wind things down, but you, you wrote me the other night, and I hope you don't mind me 
putting this out there because I was going to say the same thing, that we probably all have these routines. We all have the movies that we go back to in different times of our life. We <laughs> yeah. all have the songs. We all have the TV shows that comfort us or whatever. I remember, um, like, I, I remember being told before uh, I had a kid that, like, the one benefit of being up all hours in the first few weeks is, man, you can really binge a lot of TV shows. And I, I was like, great, I love watching TV shows. That's definitely what I, what I want to do in my free time. Yeah. But I was telling myself, there was a part of me that was like, this could be productive time. Like, I could get through some of these series that are on my, yeah. you know, my, my to-do list. Let me tell you something. In that headspace, 1,000% no. What I did was I rewatched Parks and Recreation and I rewatched 30 Rock because you just want... Yeah, you just want mac and cheese, man. Yeah, you just yeah. want sometimes. That's all you want. But I was going to say that I it, it would be interesting to hear back, and I would almost say tweet this to us, but I'm not looking at Twitter. Maybe you will. Like, <laughs> thanks. What, what's your? You can handle it. But like, what's your go to? Because maybe some people want to that the emotion that they're chasing, not in the sense musically anyway, or, or maybe maybe in terms of TV too. Like, maybe it is surprising. Maybe yeah. it is not the Smiths. Maybe it, maybe maybe there's something between the Smiths and the Turkey Baster movie you watched, but I don't know what that is. But I, I would be I would be curious. I just think that in good times and bad times, I do appreciate not just that we can do this, but that there are these touchstones, whether they're TV shows, movies, or songs, that do make us excited to yes. come together and talk about stuff. That doesn't change politically, whatever. We would have said this on Monday. We did kind of say it on Monday because we were very moved by a crawfish boil involving sriracha and beer. But I think we particularly are grateful for it. Yeah, I'm grateful to, to be here with you, man. So I think we should end it there. Uh, how psyched are you to see what Maeve does with her extended intelligence over the weekend? <laughs> like, let's just real. Let's just be really, really real. I just, I mean, they've got a lot of amnesiac and Hail to the Thief to work through on that piano. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to see the uh, the gloaming take what, by, by the, the ghost tavern piano. What if we just came? Yeah, it's like mixomatosis, man. Yeah. It's like finally stripped down the way it always should have been. What if we? What if we just? Just hit reset, and we just came. I wish in. that writer would turn around and be like, "Is that fucking Radiohead <laughs> again? Pass me Foster's." But what if he was like Noel Gallagher, and he's like, "Write a proper tune, you wankers, university yeah. toffs." Yeah. yeah. What if, um, what if we just hit a hard reset, and we just what came if in it's two timelines? <laughs> I, by the way, full disclosure, into the idea of divergent timelines all of a sudden. Super into it. What if this is the brighter one? That, well, thanks a lot. That's lurking underneath every episode of Community. What if we just hit a full hard reset and we came in just like 1,000% in on Hugh Laurie's Hulu show, Chance? Chance? Hugh Laurie... God, why are we talking about this? Hugh Laurie did not seem totally psyched to be back on television. And to be fair, he's not. He's on, he's on Hulu. But. Hugh Laurie... <laughs> has just one thing to get Hugh Laurie attached to your project does it help if the character is American sure does it help that he's professional and misunderstood yes but the key is his name has to be the name of the show oh, so yeah. on House he's his not the name night manager though Dr. House good point but that was only a limited series he's okay. committed to more seasons of this I believe his show Chance his name is Hugo Chance but this is the isn't the dude who wrote this like your boy Kem Nunn there are many talented people involved in this, but I just want to call like time out on on name, naming shows after you. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. have to be unless the one the one carve out I'm going to make for that is next week when it's revealed that Doctor Arnold Westworld named the park after himself. <laughs> 
that's what it's about. It didn't have to be a cowboy world. Oh, it just happened man. to be his name. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Andy and I will be back on Monday talking about Westworld. Um, we're going to just we're just watch some TV, man. We'll keep doing podcasts, but I, I really, seriously. We'll keep doing podcasts. We that's love doing podcasts. Option. I said we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> I really thanks thank you to our listeners. We don't say that often, but it's awesome to have yeah, you guys thank to talk you. to. Yeah, uh, and stay stay sane out there. Like try to it's like just just rely on each other and and uh, we we got you, Bransky. We got you, Bear Bransky's. <laughs>Thanks again to Sonos today for sponsoring us. Sonos is the smart speaker system that streams all your favorite music to any room or every room. You control your music with one simple app, and you can fill your home with pure immersive sound. One simple app brings together all your favorite music services and lets you control everything from songs to volume to rooms. It's amazing. Play a different song in a living room, bedroom, even a bathroom, or the same track in every room if you're having a party. Add your existing music services or discover something new. Check out Sonos. It's awesome. Thanks again to American Express. American Express card members, you do not want to miss this. Now through December 31st, there's a big reason for you to shop small at local stores in your neighborhood. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. That's AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. Terms apply.